Coming to you from the Deep South, this is the Skyline Show, where we examine modern-day Christianity through the lens of the first century church. We're your hosts, Brad and Darb. The Skyblonde Show is brought to you by Anchor FM, the best way to start a podcast. A podcast? Well, a podcast. Also by global pandemics, staying at home because you're forced to. And, and podcasts. And podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> you, Some, you produced it and directed it, and I helped write it. Be sure to follow us along. Follow along. We have not had enough coffee this morning, y'all. Be sure to follow along with us on Facebook and Twitter. We've given up Instagram because nobody goes on there anymore. <laughs> We've also added video. Okay, okay we added one video. Added one video. Yep. We do have a YouTube channel, the Sky Blonde Show podcast on YouTube. We will start adding small videos, snippets, if you will, couch conversations. On the couch. On the couch. Without the two ferns. <laughs> Trying to book Zach Galifianakis now as we speak. Is that a good idea? I, I think it'd be hilarious. Oh my gosh. Well, okay, so I'm gonna, we're going to start this today with uh, a little bit of a recap as to why we're here. So Darby and I... Previously on the Skyblonde show. Yeah. So Darby and I... Um, we were part of a, a church launch in Salt Lake City, Utah, mm-hmm. um, Eastlake Church, and there was a uh, shout out to Eastlake guys. Shout out to hey. Eastlake Church. EastlakeLive.com. So they're we, doing videos too. Yeah, basement chats. Basement Go chats. Go check them out. And if you want, Robin yeah, is amazing. If you want really good teaching, just absolutely life applicable teaching, go go check out Robin on uh, his basement chat. Good job, Kalani and Capono. Eastlake Church SLC WVC uh, Facebook yeah so anyway you'll find them so we we helped do that church launch there and Darby and I had gotten into ministry a couple years earlier we went through a uh, a period um, finding ourselves yeah kind of finding ourselves we we actually did the hospice care for Darby's dad mm, and that was just a it was a really tough experience it's hard very tough experience this was back in 2010 so this is going on 10 years now. And we knew coming out of that after after her dad had passed, and we, we actually had to take like a three week um, hiatus and just catch up on sleep and try to. Oh my God, do you remember that? Try to figure out who we were again and mm-hmm. what all of this meant to us. And what we both of us really got out of that was that we don't. Time's short, you know. Your life isn't really long. If if God has got something that you need to do, we're already kind of doing ministry with children's ministry. Mm-hmm. But we weren't like both feet into it. And that experience with your dad really got us to that place where it was like, if we're supposed to do this, we're supposed to do this. Yeah. And so we, we did the uh, we did the launch with Eastlake Church. We helped build up Eastlake Church. And we knew probably, probably three years before we left that we were supposed to be moving to this next thing. And we really thought we were going to go to Texas <laughs> we had all these like ideas about what we were going to do, and so again, we 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 had Dar- all these ideas. Darby and I, yeah, we thought, yeah, 
And it's that mean, not it's that, there's a mean, go find it. You can just look it up. But it's like your ideas of how you want your life to go, and it's like a line. Yeah. A progressive lineup, and it says God's idea, and it's like a spider web of stuff. That is literally, we are the poster children for that meme. Totally. He wrote that because of us. Yeah. So we we thought we were going to Texas, and through this odd series of circumstances, we we got brought to this little tiny town. Little tiny town in the in, deep south. In the deep south. And we were like, what the what actual what are we doing here? And so it took us... And, and the, the, the way that we showed up here, our home buying process, everything, probably the craziest, I mean, series, nine, ten different things, of miracles that happened that mm-hmm. brought us to this place where we own this home. I mean. Miraculous. Bizarre things that, I mean, it would take probably two, three hours to just yeah. go through. We'll write a book someday. Everything that happened. And so we knew that... Picture every worst case scenario that you could imagine going into buying a home. Wrap it all up into like a three-week period, and that was our life. Yeah. And then, I'm not kidding. And then God goes... Sure. You think, you think this is going to get in your way? Nope. You think this is going to get in your way? Nope. You think the president of some bank is going to get in your way? Nope. Nope. <laughs> I mean, it, it's weird. So we knew coming here and being here that this was absolutely... Where he wanted where he us. Wanted to be. us. Yeah. And we looked at it and went, What <laughs> are we doing here? Cried so, a lot. Yeah. And so we cussed a lot. It wasn't it wasn't our ideal place. And so and when I say our ideal, I mean Darby and I. Mm-hmm. God had some other plan. And so I don't know, it was probably what, six months into it, we really sat down and went, Okay, we're doing we were doing um, a public study on the book of John, and then we got into Acts, and we just started to notice that we were seeing things in John and Acts that we had never really seen before. And we were getting up early in the morning, doing, mm-hmm. our, doing our own personal Bible study. This is outside the public study that everybody, that a, a bunch of people came to, but we were doing our own personal study and we just started taking notes mm-hmm. of, you know, when we were reading through this and we saw this, we take notes and we take notes and we take notes. And then we, we just got this real pull to start learning more and more and more about the community. Yeah. And we were comparing the notes that he was giving us on one page to the things that were going on in the community. And we started... Correlations were we started, being made. Yeah, correlations and these big glaring like billboards of <laughs> hey this isn't right and because this isn't right it's caused this yeah and so it was it was it was literally it and we did that for probably a year a year a year and a half maybe. wondering what where is this all leading? leading why are we being given all this information and i was to give you a reader's digest brad is the one that gets these downloads and he'll talk about that at some point but god just delivers things to him so we're woodworkers by trade like a weird package and we yeah. will get a job somebody will come to us and say i need x y and z built we may have done it we may not have ever done it and so we have them draw it out we have them give us i design ideas and brad says great i'll come up with a a line drawing a, a plan a blueprint and i'll get back to you he goes to sleep god literally Plugs in his USB into his side of his head and downloads these plans. He wakes up the next morning and the entire thing is planned out. That's usually how Brad gets his downloads 
ministerial things yeah. that we know we're talking things that are laying on our heart and then we discuss it and we come forward for three months it's going to be bizarre for three months in 2018 i think it was yeah. he was kind of silent yeah. for brad and it worried him for a minute but every day for an hour a day i had these lounge chairs that sat in our bedroom and yeah. i didn't know why <laughs> and i was getting these crazy crazy yeah. little snippets of things and so I took notes and I took notes on Instagram so if you ever I'll, I'll post my link on our Facebook page and you can go and see it it was about it was about three to four months of these daily like God was going this is what's going on and I think he was giving big brain Brad a break because he was going to have a stroke with what was going on <laughs> and he thought lady psh, I'm going to fill in here for a minute because your man needs to just chill that you know what out well and so, i was i was working like and you were working he at that yeah. point had decided he was we we were desperate times called for desperate measures and he went to be a manager of a store and that almost killed us you know that was almost as bad as the time when he decided he was going to be a satellite installation person on the coast of oregon being blown off the side of you know cliffs another adding to our book yes so fun things yeah so, so god delivers these things and we were wondering what what is all this we're getting the study back to what we were talking about doing this study on our own why why are these things being given to us you know what was the point and so when you and i sat down and we, and we were sitting there trying to put all this stuff together we started getting this um this like cycle and it it, it correlated yeah. to what Jesus was doing. It correlated to what the early first century church was. Yeah. We had a lot of ideas like, you know, Lord, are we supposed to start a, a church here in this little town? And the last thing this town needs is another church. Yeah, and we're doing our we're doing our uh, research on the town. It's twenty two thousand people, and there's like a hundred and seventeen churches. Yeah. Now in a county. In a county. In a county. And and you go, okay, I don't think they need another church. But what we started to see was that the churches weren't actually functioning <laughs> like the church is shown functioning in the book of Acts. Yeah. There was a lot of, and we've talked about this, there was pageant show. There was a lot of this, it's a social club. It's mm -hmm. like a country club. This is my clique of people. This is your clique of people. And the churches are all relatively small. Mm -hmm. And some are <clears> defined <throat> by... Their race. Some are defined by there's black and white churches. There's churches that don't have a lot of money versus the churches that do have a lot of money. Um, churches where all the civil leaders attend. Churches where none, none of the civil, civil leaders, leaders attend. attend. And so, it, it, and we started to notice that the where we had come from, the enemy had done certain things with a big monolithic church where we had come from in Salt mm -hmm. Lake City. He was doing the same kinds of things here but it was all the divisions in the churches that i think were leading to the divisions in the society yes <clears throat> or, or not leading to them but maybe justifying them uh balkanizing them and it's in those cracks that the enemy has just run rampant for a place that's got 117 churches mm -hmm. they have a massive gang problem they have a massive drug and, and violence problem mm -hmm. And uh, poverty is off the scale here. Yeah, and so we're like we're sitting there going, okay, so we're looking at these two, two pieces, and so the, the the 
the what we're getting out of the Bible and then what we're seeing in the community and, and making these glaring correlations and going, okay, something's not working. So we're asking God, what are we supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Well, in those downloads, that's when we started getting the malaise. Well, we've talked about that. How did Jesus... How did Jesus deal with deal with uh, the how the people felt? Well, a big part of when Jesus was doing the miracles, it was it had to do with the malaise, and then you can see if you just read through John, you will see how dealing with the malaise leads to a conflict with the religious leadership, like immediately, and Jesus was challenging them. Hey, why don't you come out and be real? Mm-hmm. That was a big part of what it was. Start being real. Um, you went into um, business and how uh, business and and its activity can um, be used correctly or incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when Jesus went into the temple and uh, uh, was turning over the tables. That was an example of how business had corrupted what was supposed to be something that was sacred and holy. Um the, the church, the synagogue, the temple wasn't functioning as the heart and mind um, and had allowed the hands and feet to run everything. Mm-hmm. And that, that's not how it's supposed to be. <clears throat> the two things work together. It even says this when you're, when you're talking about the Gospels. There's the two hands of the Gospels. And so getting that relationship working properly, um, the why you're doing business, what is the point of business, that's a, a huge thing. Um, civil governance. Um, these were things that had started to change in the first um, the first couple of centuries of the church. Mm-hmm. Civil governance. The church actually really got into um, civil governance, and you started to see a change in society. Now we'll go into the history of that. You got to be really careful because um, politics can interfere, but. It's, it's the, the why. Why are we doing the things that we're doing? And I think that now we're kind of 1,800, 2,000 years removed from those first and second centuries. And I think we've just kind of gone into something very similar to what Jesus experienced when he was there. Everything is just kind of rote. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of dead. We're going through the motions. The, the reason why you get into civil leadership is not... Uh, it's not to serve people. It's just a position, and it's a way to have power. And it's a so these institutions that we have, they're shadows of what they should be. Yes. And all of these things, whether it is whether it is um, the church, whether it's business, whether it's civil governance, because they're shadows, because they're because they're not actively being understood through the through the. The, the Christ-like lens, mm-hmm. it's leading to places where the enemy can just set up camp. And that's where we talk about um, confronting enemy occupation. And so if the church isn't acting like the church and business isn't out there being business for the reason that it should be business, and then civil governance, um, if there's corruption in civil governance, if there is, um, if people are in civil governance for the wrong reason, yeah. You just open a window. Uh, you open a big, huge, safe valley for enemy occupation to come in and set up camp. Mm-hmm. Um, the the good old boy networks, um, church clicks. It's dangerous when the church becomes a social club and it's not acting like the bride of Christ. Yes. Uh, 
civil government, when it becomes compromised, uh, the problem is that people won't trust them. When people don't trust them, they actually don't have the authority to step in and make any of these changes that, mm -hmm. that need to be made. And so right now there's a big there's a big battle going on here for who's going to wind up being sheriff of this county. Yeah. And that's a that's a key part of this. The sheriff in a in a small county like this is kind of uh, fills a lot of roles of of the king mm -hmm. from like from like the days of old. He has a lot of authority, and so the the mind of the king, the mind of the sheriff yeah. in a small town, man, that makes a big that makes a big difference. And so, and what is what is the big fight about? Oh, a lot of it has to do with. What's going on under your nose? Yeah, the do do in the front of your face. Do the citizenry really trust the king? Do they really trust that the decisions that are coming out of the sheriff's department are they are they justice oriented or mm -hmm. are they oriented around business? Are they oriented around what deals you can get and who knows who and good old boy networks and so it's really important for civil government to get its act in gear. And if that means that, if, that you, if the first thing you gotta do is have transparency, they've gotta come clean with everything. And if that means you lose your position, you lose your position. But if you can't clean that up, there's, there's no way. There's no way you can go after the enemy yeah. because you don't have the authority. No. And everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. Yeah. If, if the citizenry don't trust you, you don't have any way to speak into it. Mm -hmm. So that was that was one of the things that we saw. Man, this was two almost two years ago. Two about. years ago, and then what was really funny is in just the last year, this whole thing of the sheriff came up, and yeah. I had to. That was one of those downloads that you and I kind of both had, where it was like the sheriff has got to play a really key role in all of this, mm -hmm. and bam, the whole sheriff election thing started happening. Yeah, really. you have to understand where we are. Oh. We're not. And it's probably like this in many, many small towns. The sheriff comes in. I mean, think of a... God, what's a good small town? It's going to sound cliche, but what's his face? Uh, Mayberry. Mayberry, oh yeah. Andy, Andy. whatever his name was, <laughs> Taylor. I mean, he was a sheriff that came in and he seated himself, but he was a sheriff for the people. And so he was there for a long time because he was the people's leader. And it was a good show. And it was a good, it was a good show. <laughs> We happen to live in a small town, and then, like I'm saying, there's probably plenty of other small towns. I'm not just picking on ours, but we happen to live in a small town where a sheriff came in and was seated and had stayed. And I think, and this is personal opinion, please don't at me with whatever. This is my personal opinion. I believe he has overstayed his welcome. Well, I, and yeah. I hate to say it like that, but I think when Brad and I first noticed that there was an issue in regards to our leadership of our small town area he was still physically seated in that position yeah. but he himself knew he was retiring he foresaw what was coming and how things were changing for whatever reason and had stepped out from that position mentally and in hands-on because yeah. it's just it's been lack of service yeah b beyond lack of service and i think the change and change is difficult for everybody but i think this is one of those changes that we can all look at in our community and go this will be for the good yeah, yeah. of the people oh, I think, the people I think so. and whether you're 
whether you're an, an underling of the sheriff coming in or uh, and, and gonna and gonna take over uh, the sheriff's position, or whether you're somebody that's coming from the outside that's gonna do it, man, if you want to be able to tackle the enemy occupation that is here, you absolutely need to make sure that your nose is clean mm-hmm. and that the department is clean. And this is, it's not just for the sheriff, but this is for the city councils. This is mm-hmm. for the police, uh, police chief and his people. This is for uh, the county board of supervisors, mm-hmm. everybody that's in civil governance. If you really, really, really want to tackle enemy occupation, there can be no cracks. Yeah. And, and whether this means that you got to be you got to come out and be transparent with everything that's been going on and if that means you lose your job that means you lose your job mm-hmm. but somebody somewhere is going to have to <clears throat> take one for the team if you want to be able to rescue the community yeah and you're going to have to decide to do the right thing sometimes the right things are painful sometimes our fear of doing the right thing is actually worse than just doing the right thing. Yeah. Sometimes there's a lot of reward in doing mm-hmm. the right thing. People, God will make a way. People, people will respond to humility and self-deprecation a lot more than trying to hide something and sweep it under the carpet. And that's just what we've noticed here. And so that's the that's that side of it. You got to you got to clean up your own house. Uh-huh. Whether you're the church, whether you're the business, whether you're civil governance, you got to clean up your own house. So now, two, you got to move to: Do we use the tools of this world, mm-hmm. or do we use God's tools? And we have seen. I, I've talked about this. God, I don't know how many times I've said this. Former uh, LEO stuff, uh, uh, former military. over time <laughs> a lot of a lot of the beginning of this journey for me was the law mm-hmm. okay and I thought a long time ago that the law would fix these things the law or uh, justice justice this idea of justice and justice the law it's like a flashlight on the problem you can see the problem mm-hmm. but um, kind of like being in an operating room. Just because you have a lot of light in an operating room doesn't make you a surgeon. Yeah. And so I've said this for a long time, and this is just through the personal experience that I've had. You can... Uh, you realize that there's a problem. The light has been turned on. You, all you've got to do to recognize that is uh, open up a newspaper and just look at the headlines. All of us can go, what in the hell is going on? Whether you're in a small town or you're talking about the world right now with this crazy pandemic, yeah. <clears throat> you look at the headlines, you know there's a problem. Mm-hmm. You can arrest people, okay? You can uh, kill people to try to fix a problem. You can medicate people to try to fix the problem. You can uh, therapy people to fix the problem. You can try. You can try. We'll say it that way. You can try to do all those things. Now, those things may be necessary. And they all are necessary, but they're not fixing the problem. That's because the problem is actually in the hearts of people. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to fix the problem, you got to fix the people's hearts. And the only, the only person 
that has said that they could do that. And when you when you run down the track record, the only person that can do that is God. Mm-hmm. And so that's where Darby and I began went uh, went through this shift from law enforcement uh, on my side and, and military on my side to what are we doing with this time that we have? And we started to get into ministry. And then when we got into ministry, mm-hmm. over the course of over the course of I don't know what thirteen years that we've been doing this, mm-hmm. <clears throat> there is how things have traditionally been done, and then there is the heart and the meat of what ministry really is yeah. at its core, and that's what we would coming down here to the south and seeing. Christianity in this form that Darby and I are, we're, we've come to terminate. Uh, churchianity. Churchianity. Religiosity, peop- churchianity. People are worshiping the form. They're worshiping the tradition. They're, they, They're worshiping the idea. The I- They're worshiping the uh, routine, the schedule, the this is what we do Monday through Friday, and then we get all dressed up and go to our hour service on Sunday we feel better about ourselves. We get filled with, you know, what God is delivering to us and we're being spoken to and we're doing our part. And then we just go back to doing everything exactly the same way we've been doing it Monday through Friday to come back the following Sunday to go, well, nothing really got fixed. But boy, I feel good for this hour today. Yeah. And so, and that's where, that's where you and I sit down as we, as we kind of went through this. It, it was almost as we were going through do our doing our, our lists of what what is God showing us and then mm-hmm. what are we seeing in the community down here? It was almost like he's just tired. He's tired <laughs> of the play acting. He's tired of the uh, pageant show. Yeah. He's tired of this rote, scripted. It's not really doing anything. Yeah. It's that the whole... My steeple is bigger than your steeple, therefore I'm more important. It's that whole notion of, well, I play a doctor on TV. Yeah, well, great. Yeah. (laughs) But could you really actually deal with a patient? Mm Mm-hmm. Probably not. And so what we're talking about and what we were asking the Lord for is these really fundamentally grounded things. And so when we get down to how do you help in your community, do you arrest people? Do you put people in prison? Do you? Okay, well those you things. You could, but what good is it going to do? They're necessary, but then it's kind of like when we we've had long conversations about the war on drugs. We've spent all this money and all this time and all. Do you feel like we're winning? <laughs> Honestly, look in the mirror. Look at all of these problems that we have, and we pour tons of money and tons of manpower and all this stuff. Do you feel like we're winning? Well, if we're not winning, we may actually want to examine the tactics and strategies that we're actually using. What are the weapons that we're actually using? Yeah. And this is what was really crazy in all of this is when we got around to enemy occupation, my first idea was we, you, you get to churches and you organize with law enforcement and you go after and you start arresting people and, and God really kind of went quiet mm-hmm. for me and went, as I started to back away from that and and um, look at it, it was like the ideas for the organization, the idea for the community coming together, the idea for business getting involved and giving people opportunity, those are all good, but we may want to examine the tactics. Mm-hmm. We may want to examine the tools. And the one thing that 
kept being pressed on this over and over and over was forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. Well, how do you forgive these people? Well, that's easy. It's the same way I've forgiven you. Yeah. It goes back to the um, the parable that Jesus talked about, and I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase it. When he talked about the guy that um, that owed the king fifty grand, and uh, he went and he pleaded before the king, "Hey, don't throw me in prison. There's no way I'm going to be able to pay this. I'm asking." And so the king forgave him that debt that he owed him of the fifty grand. And then when the king went outside, he saw that same dude a couple days later choking a guy out over five dollars. And the king said, hey, man, <laughs> I forgave you, but you can't turn around and show forgiveness mm -hmm. to your neighbor. Lock this guy up, stick him in the dungeon until he pays back every dime of that 50 grand. Yeah. And that's, so when we sit around and we say, oh, well, how can we forgive these people? How can we show? Well, because it's already been given to you. Mm -hmm. And so if, if you want to take the high and mighty road, be really really cautious because you're about to lose your authority yeah and how do we know that you've lost your authority because the enemy is running rampant mm -hmm. i've heard it described uh not biblical parable but <clears throat> very similarly and it's it, it fits in, in the situation that we're, we're sitting in right now uh, is uh people who are starving in a community, people who are starving in a community and the people who are in leadership or above have this grand idea. How are we gonna help these people? Well, we need to feed them. Let's feed the people. So they come together and they gather all the ingredients to feed the people to make, we'll say bread. We're gonna gather all the ingredients to make bread and we're gonna feed the people. And they put it all together in boxes and they drop the box of all the ingredients into the center of town and then they go about their business. So they have this grand idea of we're going to help. We're going to do good for us. It makes them feel good because we provided what's necessary to feed the people. But did they stop, get out of the plane that they dropped the ingredients to, go down to the people and go, now I need to show you how to put it together right. so you can eat. Eat, yeah. And a What lot of good is a box full of things that people can look at and go, this would be great. We could totally use this if we just knew what to do with it. And that, and that is that is when Darby and I talk about ministry. When you're driving down the road, <laughs> and this is going to go to the the parable of the Samaritan, when you're driving down the road, you see the guy stuck in the ditch. Do you stop and help? Yeah, Are and this you, is beyond. Well, it's not safe to talk to strangers. I was told that when I. Yeah. Stop. Well. well you, yes, be 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 cautious, be safe, use common sense, but look beyond. But that. if the if the God of the universe is putting a call on your heart to stop the car and get out and help that person to get out of your church mm -hmm. and get into your community and help people with the hands that He has given you, with the intellect that He has given you with the money and the resource that he has given you, mm -hmm. then you had better listen because he has forgiven you. Yeah, that's that same story I talked about way back in one of the first episodes, ironically, of the same pastor we were mentioning with Eastlake, about him who has a jug of change yeah. that he collects. Yeah. And he drove every day from his job to his house, a couple miles, same route, and he would go to the little convenience store and buy himself a hot dog because that was you know, what he was going to do. 
and there was a man on the side of the road with a sign, you know, need food. And so something struck him about, oh, I should, God put a blink in his eye and a bug in his ear and give the guy your change. And our pastor was like, I want a hot dog. <laughs> so he drove in a circle for a little while, Debating. passing this guy, arguing with himself and with God in the car about, I just want a hot dog, but I have all this change, but I really just want this hot dog. And begrudgingly, I'm not going to say he did this out of the gracious of, his, of the goodness of his heart, which he did, <laughs> but begrudgingly, he pulled his car over and he rolled down his window and he handed the guy all this change and then he went home. And I'm sure he grumbled and mumbled about how he didn't get to have his hot dog. But his wife, I think the story was, had made this incredible meal because she's a very busy woman too, but she had a moment and she was able to come together and they had this fantastic dinner that he wasn't expecting. Yeah. And it's like, like we have said, if God puts something in your ear, which is usually laying something on your heart, pay attention. It may not always be the most comfortable thing for you, but it's going to benefit you somehow may not always be on your own timeline, but there will be a benefit for you in the long run and for the person that you're assisting. That's the main point. And so what it comes down to is it comes down to obedience. Yes. Obedience. So when we're talking about enemy occupation and we're talking about do you go after them with the law and the guns and the cops mm -hmm. and the, the, the scorn of the community, well, maybe, maybe you want to try this God's way. And I'm not saying I'm not saying you have to put things in dangerous situations. I'm not what I am saying is that when God puts a bug in your ear mm -hmm. and he puts a call on your heart to do something and to show forgiveness, listen to him because mm -hmm. he can do a whole lot more with an ounce of forgiveness. Then we easily look at we can throw tons and tons and tons of force and justice on a problem and if force and justice are not the right tool it won't work mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. and that is because government by its very nature is force it's it is the enforced will of people it is a hammer okay to every, or to the hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Mm -hmm. Governments cannot love, they cannot care, they cannot heal, they cannot feed. That's not their job. It never was, mm -hmm. it never should be. That's the church's job. It's the business leader's job. Yes, and unfortunately, the churches have turned themselves into small units of self-isolated Governance. Governance. That's they've, all they are. They've stopped being the churches. They've stopped being the heart. They're islands amongst themselves. They start, they've stopped being the heart and head of the community. Mm -hmm. Businesses are about consuming and collecting worthless paper. We talked about yeah. the whole toilet paper thing and how toilet papers. <laughs> guess what? If you value paper so much, I'll make sure that your toilet paper is worth more than your dollars. And yeah. we're seeing that with the printing of money. Um so now when it comes to governance, if you want to have authority, godly authority, to actually be able to fix problems, you're going to have to understand that a coin has two sides. Mm -hmm. And that God and his authority are infinite justice, but on the flip side of that coin 
is infinite mercy. Infinite mercy. And we see this, we see this in Christ when, uh, oh, we've talked about this in our, our Bible study. So it says that uh, when Jesus went to the cross, the Bible talks about how he had at his disposal, disposal and I believe that was when he was, uh, when he was being tempted in, mm-hmm. the, in the wilderness. He had at his disposal 12 legions of angels. Mm-hmm. Well, in the Roman military at the time, you would understand a legion as 6,000 troops. So he had 12 times 6,000 angels. That is 72,000 angels. Don't make me do math. Okay. Yes, I'm sure. So 72,000 angels. We know from the Old Testament that one angel in one night killed 180,000 men. So what would 72,000 angels do when you Jesus... smart. You are a smart guy. When, when Jesus is on the cross and he goes, yeah, I'm not doing this today. Mm-hmm. And he says, hey, boys, help me out. There's no planet Earth left for us. Yeah. Somebody, somebody's actually calculated it out. If, if Jesus had given the command, and that's with today's, today's population, yeah. it would take about 13 seconds and we'd be done. Jeez. And so Jesus has at his disposal <laughs> infinite force. Mm-hmm. But what did he show to us at the cross? He showed infinite mercy. Mm-hmm. And so it's not about how Billy Badass you are. It's about how Billy Badass you are, but you make a different decision. Mm -hmm. And so you have to understand that to have access to God's authority, to have access to his power, you're going to have to listen to him about when to do what. Mm -hmm. When is it time for justice? And when is it time for mercy? And if you want to fix some of these problems that we have, you're going to have to start to use things like tolerance. You're going to have to use, start to use things like forbearance. You're going to have to start to use things like forgiveness and mercy. If you don't, you're going to be that guy that the king comes along and sees you choking out your neighbor over five bucks. Toilet paper, to- eggs, yeah. canned and, goods. And he's going to deal with you whether you are the leader of the church, whether you are the sheriff of a town, whether you are the city mayor, whether you're just the guy walking down the street, mm-hmm. we're all equal in the eyes of God. Yes. And this, for as much disruption as this whole coronavirus thing is giving us, I do think that it's actually pretty healthy and that it helps everybody understand that God sees us all equally. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter your position of authority, it doesn't matter how popular you are, it doesn't matter how much money you have, when it comes to your mortality mm-hmm. and you facing the boss, we're all exactly the same. Oh yeah. So what is what is when we sat down and we did this stuff, what did what did mercy look like when it came to civil governance? What did it look like? Yeah, when we sat down and we, yeah. we kind of wrote that stuff out. Mercy uh, you got a you got a drug problem. Mm-hmm. You know you have people that are uh, running the running the gangs, running the the drug business here in town. Yeah. Now, are all of them one hundred percent evil? I'm not going to say that. No. No. Okay. Why Why are you getting into uh, Why are you getting into doing drugs, selling drugs, 
because yeah. there's no other opportunity available for them. There's nothing else here to do. We have a population. We have a big population. We have quite a large for a little town that we're in. We have quite a large senior class. Yeah. Class of 2020 that is now facing their own demons right now and dealing with stuff that they're. God bless them. That's all I'm going to say. But beyond that, we have a we have a quite a large teenage population here that. You talk, I think we've talked about this before. You have groups of people, 17, 18 years old, who are preparing and, you know, gone to school and done all they can. And if they're doing school right, they're getting scholarships and they're making preparations and they're getting ready to go to college. And they're doing all these things, you know, but they're doing it humbly because they're sad to leave their families and they know it's something they have to do, but they're going. And here, they are doing all those same things, but the mindset of the young people in our community is is more or less I can't wait to get the hell out of here because we have nothing to do and this is the dumbest place on the face of the planet and that's a sad state to be in yeah and And so so they're planning their lives to get out as fast as they can and so yeah there's the opportunity (laughs) no opportunity here so opportunity when those people because we have quite a few people in that age group and in that uh statistical area of of graduating college or graduating high school i'm sorry that aren't going to be able to go to college because again we live in a town that has a huge poverty rate so many kids by no fault of their own can't afford to go to school and they don't qualify for scholarships because they aren't born in the families that can help them get there so and because there's not a plethora of job opportunities where we're at, they turn to the easy way to do things. What's easy? Drugs. We sell drugs. Drugs is, is pretty damn easy. And it so makes your money quick. When the business leaders of the community aren't thinking about, hey, how do I employ people mm-hmm. at, a, at a decent salary? Hey, how do I give people opportunity? Hey, how do I bring that next? Because that's the other thing that we're seeing with, with, a, lot of, with a lot of people involved. You know, they're entrepreneurs. I'll give you oh, that. Yeah. When they when they were faced with a problem, they went, okay, well, I'll figure out how to make this work. And we've even talked to some of our good friends. They're real business people now. But how did they start in business back in high school? I sold, sold drugs. Sold drugs. I sold weed. I and sold so, weed and I made all kinds of money selling weed and I took my... They found Christ and they turned their life around, but they took everything they did to make <laughs> the next buck selling weed or crack or whatever it was they were selling. And projected it onto their business plan, which I'm not saying that's the way to do it. You know, don't go around the mountain if you don't have to, but it, that's, 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 that was their you have to, life application. You have to understand that Ooh. there's a core of something good in some of these things that are really ho- horrible. And so yeah. you have to, you have to demote the bad parts of it and promote the good parts of it. Yeah. And so, and that's part of forgiveness. God, God, when, when God grabbed Paul on the road to Damascus, uh, he was Saul. He was persecuting Christians. Saul was like, he was like the Terminator. He <laughs> was the guy that was going around and wiping out the Christians. He was going from town to town, making sure that all these Christians were stoned to death. Well, when God, when Jesus grabbed uh, Saul on the road to Damascus and changed him into Paul, he didn't change him utterly in his personality. 
If you look at Paul <clears throat> after that point, Paul was still the same Terminator, mm-hmm. but he had gone from being the, the T-800. He used in, it for good as in, opposed to evil. Yeah, he'd gone from being the T-800 in the first Terminator movie to being the Arnold Schwarzenegger character in T-2. He had merely reprogrammed Paul to take all those same attributes and mm-hmm. all those same personality traits mm-hmm. and use them for something good. Yeah, And that's what we have to understand is when you're looking at these people, there's... There is part of something going on there that is mm-hmm. actually valuable, and we need to be able to identify those things and help. Well, you had talked about things. this when we were when we were having this discussion, and I'm sure you're probably going to touch on it. But it's fascinating to me is most people who get into this trade, the drug trade, there's there's two sides of it. You yeah. either get into it because opportunity is lacking, so you have to do something, and you turn to that, or you're brought into it because you're brought up in it. Yeah. Yeah. I do it because my dad did it, and his dad did it, and his grandpa did it. Or, and, well, and, or, or you don't have a family. I think a big part of it yeah, is that your, or, family, yeah, that your family structure is so broken that you're looking for some kind of family. And that's that, that's that drug gang relationship yeah. that they have, that they're not, they're not getting it somewhere else. Yeah. And so here's the thing. Is the church offering that? No. Or is the church offering something that is very kind of standoff and static and very judgy and judgmental Mm -hmm. look at jesus and how he interacted with people then look at the pharisees and how they they interacted with people now look at your church down the street who are they following is this a church that's following jesus Mm -hmm. and when i say following i mean put your damn sandals on and go walk the life that he walked are they following jesus are they following the pharisees yeah. Are they the Samaritan that would get out, get out of his car and help the guy that's in the ditch? Or are they the Pharisee that just rolled by in his Cadillac and looked at the guy and went, oh, I'm going to kind of drive around this and get as much room between me and them as possible. And so you, you really have to look at the, uh, you really have to look at how is this actually functioning mm-hmm. in our community? Is the church forgiving people? Is the church allowing these people back in? Or do they have a filter? And you must pass through this perfect filter before we're going to show you any love or kindness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. And oh. it's the audacity of some of these churches. I'm not going to name names of churches, but there are churches who have these filters, who yeah. have these, you must be, do, look. And it's not blatant. It's not blatant. I'm not no. going to say. But, I mean, if you've gone to enough churches and you've been in ministry long enough, you, you see it, yeah. that you have to do this be like this, follow these rules. We have this, i.e., oh, you, well, great, come to our church. Here's our, here's our policy and procedure manual. If you want to be a member, follow this and sign this piece of paper. They preach one thing and they do another, but what my point I was saying is there are, there are churches all over the nation, but there are churches in our community and everywhere that literally have written all over their signs, visitors welcome. All are welcome here. Enter here to worship. Welcoming you with open arms to come in to, to find Jesus and, and be with Jesus and worship Jesus and get to know him if you follow all the rules. How we would like you to do that. And here's and why is that? Because come worship Jesus. Don't wear jeans. Come worship Jesus. You must have a tie on. Come worship Jesus. If you're not wearing a dress, you're going to have to sit in the back. And, and why is that? Why is that? Because there is a measure of they're trying to protect. 
They're trying to protect their, God, I hate to use this word, but their fiefdom. Mm-hmm. They're trying to protect their little kingdom and how their little kingdom operates. Yes, because majority of these places are run and operated by a council yeah. or a leadership that comes down and says, you must do church this way or your financials will be yeah. stripped from you. Stripped from you. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to tear apart your, your denominational affiliation. Hey, those bills that we pay, we won't pay. And so why is that? They're in a defensive mode. They're trying to protect. Now, here's the thing. They serve the God of the universe. If if you are really in line with Jesus, you already have protection. Okay? You would be making decisions that are offensive in nature Mm -hmm. for the kingdom. Not defensive. Yeah. Offense. Yeah. How do we... Not in offense offensive as in preparedness like if you're thinking like football yeah there's defensive plays there's a time for defense and then there's a time for offense and i'm telling you we're in the fourth quarter of of this game all you got to do is is look out the window you like your pandemic you like your socialism you like your earthquakes everywhere people you like your wars (laughs) and rumors of wars yeah do you like your pestilence hell even we've even seen uh, locusts for crying out we're in the fourth quarter wake the F up. Yeah. Wake up. It's time to use tools that we as a church have not used in a long time. Mm-hmm. You want to deal with some of these things? Start using tools that the enemy can't do anything with. When Christ went to the cross, yeah. what does Satan do with the cross? Not a damn thing. Yeah. But gosh, Mr. Gosh, Mr. Can't. Brad, how do you do all these things when you can't even be a church in times such as these yeah you can't even go yeah it's awesome well how do you do that because the church is in the building (laughs) say that again the church is in the building okay i i can have church with my friends and family over the phone i can have church i can have church in everything that i do every moment of my day can Can be be church. church Every moment. It's not about rolling up into your big white building, your big brick building. It's not. I think that's and the why... mindset of people right now is like, we can't come together. And I, I'm not poo-pooing group worship. Yes, yeah. there is something about being at a place with people and loving God and worshiping God as a group because there is, you know, two yeah. or more together. It says, yeah, it says to come together. But I think that the reason why we've had this coronavirus pause is maybe just maybe God wants us to go in the house and have a Passover and evaluate some of these things Mm -hmm. what's what's so funny is you and I have been talking about this stuff for two years and now all of the things that we've been saying are starting to come out of the mouths of major leadership and all it took was a virus and a couple shut everything down a couple of weeks of hey we don't have service Gosh, maybe we have to reevaluate. Yeah. What is church? How do we come together and meet? I have oh. heard the phrase, don't just go to church, but be, be the, the church, church. Yeah. more than I have ever heard in the entire time that we have been talking about this for years and years and years, yeah. years yeah. about stop focusing on the carpets, the pews, the flowers in front of your pulpit, 
the way the sound looks, the smoke and mirrors, the sound system for your choir singers, what songs you're singing, how the coffee is in the break room, if the people coming in are getting fresh coffee, are there snacks? That does not mean jack crap to Jesus. Okay. He does not care. And that is that is because that's that's the picture frame. Yes, that that's is what people frame. are focusing on. The idea of what frame. church is and so the frame of a picture the frame of a picture actually gives you a, a border with which you look at the picture that's inside of it i think i, I don't know if we've talked about it on here but I, we actually yeah. have i used to do um i used to do pinup art <laughs> way back in the day darby actually had me draw some uh some pinup pictures and so i had this picture of a, a just a line drawing of mm-hmm. a beautiful woman and um I'd actually, our former pastor, we used to have this hanging in, our, in the corner of our living room or on the side of the wall in our living room. And we were talking about the difference between Sunday and what the church really is. Sunday mm-hmm. worship versus the church. And I said, the thing is, is that the Sunday worship is the frame. And we've all become incredibly, incredibly good at the frame. But that beautiful woman that's in the center of the picture that's the church Mm -hmm. that's what god wants he wants the picture we tend to as human beings just focus on the frame we focus on the border we focus on on all of the the things that we can kind of control and order and the traditions but it's that it's that lovely beauty that's in the center which is really the important part of it Mm -hmm. and so so now we're gonna we're gonna i know this is taking a long time but we're gonna angle back around to it's okay we're gonna angle back around to um, People are at home. They have time to listen. We're, yeah, yeah. We're going to angle back around to um, undermining and confronting enemy occupation. Yeah. So what you're going to have to do in your community, you're going to have to love the unlovable. Mm-hmm. Okay. The people that you have cast as far away from you as possible, those are the people that you, you need, need to bring into the fold and love. To start figuring out how to wrap. <laughs> Jesus's arms around them around them and make them whole mm-hmm. so not every person in in the drug culture or in the prostitution or in any of these things not all of them are 100% Hitlerian evil okay their problems there are broken things that have happened in their lives to bring them to those places mm-hmm. um you may not, and they may be hard. I absolutely understand this. I talk to a lot of LEO guys, and they're just like, you don't understand how hard they are. And I'm like, well, look at you. Look at you. You drive around in your car, and you're pretty hardened too. Mm-hmm. Okay? But everybody, everybody's got a mom. Everybody's got a Good grandmother. Girl. Everybody has somebody somewhere in their life. That they love. That they love. Okay? Very, very, very few people are so uh, demonically influenced that they don't have someone somewhere in their life that they love. And what is it? It's the church's job to figure out, well, who is that? Mm -hmm. Is that their grandma? Is that their mom? Is that their sister? Is Is it their niece? Is it their nephew? Who is it that they love? And the church has to, and the people, and the community, and the town, to the business, that. the civil. You have to embrace those people. You have to love the unlovable. And you may not be able to do it directly, yeah. but you can find the people 
or you could do it as just part of a blanket policy. Love those people in your community to such a degree and such an extent. And when I say love, I mean do physical acts. Uh, put a wheelchair ramp on their house. Mm-hmm. Fix that hole in their roof. Make sure that they have food when they're sick. Mm-hmm. Go check on them. Drive them to the hospital. Mow their lawn. Open your damn church door and look across the street and see what's outside of your parking lot. If it doesn't look like what's inside your parking lot or inside your church door, get out of your pews and go over there and help them. Start spreading the blessing that God has poured into you. You are a reflection of the community that you're in and you are failing. Your mirror is broken. And that's... And unfortunately, that is really where we have found ourselves. Yes. And we didn't we didn't come in here like that. We saw that and we started to go, okay, Lord, Pharisee, Jesus. Is this Pharisee or Jesus? And we had to go, oh, now we understand why Jesus is so frustrated mm-hmm. when he was talking to the Pharisees. There were points where Jesus was horribly frustrated. And I think it wasn't just... It wasn't just that he was mad at him and wanted to destroy him, but he was like, hey guys, you should know who I am. Yeah. You should be able to recognize face palm, me. Facepalm, facepalm, facepalm. Face palm. <laughs> you, you were the one. And so the church is literally in your community when they can't see these things. Yeah, that's definitely a point of frustration. Oh yeah, that's definitely That's definitely a point where the Holy Spirit is like just banging his head on the table going... And the more frustrating thing, and it's not like the people, like the churches, and I'm talking about all churches, it's not like they're walking around going, I don't see anything wrong. I don't see anything wrong. No, the frustrating problem is, is that most churches are walking around going, we have this huge problem in our community. We see all the bad. We see the gang problem. We see the drug problem. Golly gee whiz. I wish there was something we could do. Oh, I just want to knock mass sense into people when they talk like that. Yeah. What, what can you do? Love. Love the people in the community. So if you can love that lady that turns out to be so-and-so's grandmother mm-hmm. or their mom or their niece. Here's the thing about being a tough guy. There's a lot of people out there that think that they're the hardest, most Billy Badass, toughest hombres on planet Earth. God's universe has a way of creating a 800-pound gorilla that is bigger than you. And there is going to be something somewhere, that guy that is uh, just the hardest, meanest uh, gang member dude, biker gang guy, when he finds out that uh, he has cancer, all that toughness goes out the window. Mm -hmm. When he crashes his car and breaks his neck, all of that toughness goes out the window. When his mom has a heart failure and passes away, and that that opportunity to go back to that safe place, when, he, then when that goes away, this universe has a way of bringing us all to our knees. And right now, a lot of us are on our knees looking at this coronavirus thing, and we're scared to death. Mm-hmm. God is trying to get your attention. And so God will do that periodically, because he loves that part of you that's more important than just this fleshly stuff that we see. Yeah. He loves that soul that's on the inside. And so when a person is on their knees, 
they're going to respond to love. Every person has got a, a hole in them, a, a, a Jesus Christ-shaped hole, a mm -hmm. God-shaped hole. And we try to fill it with drugs, and we try to fill it with power, and we try to fill it with violence, or we try to fill it with worthless money. We try to fill it with sex, all of these things, and it doesn't work. That's why, that's why you have to have more and more and more and more of the stuff that you're trying to fill that hole with because that, that pit in our hearts is bottomless. Mm -hmm. The only thing that can fill it is an everlasting, ever-loving God. So what is the way that a community, the churches, the business, and civil governance, love, start showing love. Love the unforgivable. If you can't love them directly, love the people that are around them so that when they do find themselves in that place where they're on their knees, they can recognize it. And then they will come to Christ. Mm -hmm. You're not going to beat the word into anyone. <laughs> no, you're not. You're going to have to be the church at the time when their heart is open. Mm -hmm. And that is a 24-7, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year game. It's not about Sundays. Mm -mm. It's about all days, all the time. That's why this isn't, that's why this isn't a worship service. This is discipleship. Mm -hmm. Discipleship, that's founded in discipline. That's because this is a way of life. It's different than being it's different than being the guy that owns a sword. It's becoming a samurai. Mm -hmm. That's something that you never stop being. A guy that owns a sword, he can just hang the sword back up on the wall. He can, I'm sure he can pull it down and he can whoosh, 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 maybe he can cut some fruit with it or something like fruit ninja, but <laughs> that's not a samurai. A samurai is a discipline. Well, that's what Christians are called to be. Mm-hmm. That's why he said the road is narrow. The road, the right road, is a narrow road. The wrong road, it's everywhere. Yeah. And we, I think we've defined our Christianity a little bonkers mm -hmm. is what we've done. And that's why we have the problems. That's why, that's why it seems as if the gates of hell are prevailing against the church. Yeah. Because the church is not being the church. Business, no. because the church isn't being the church. Business isn't being business. You're not holding your city, your city uh, governance to account. Yeah. So then all you got to do is try to throw force on these problems. Yeah, it's just running rampant. It's just, yeah, it's and it's, rampant. it's cyclical. So uh, let's see. Do we have anything more? No. Just, I, the, the moral of the story is love everyone regardless. Yeah. That's it. Love. Yeah. There, you can't repeat it enough. There's going to be the times for law enforcement. There's going to be the times for the military. There's going to be the times for taxes and all those things. But what is our job? Mm -hmm. What is our job? Love. Love. Everyone. Everyone. Regardless. And yeah, because you never know. You, you never know when someone out there is going to be watching that sermon that is your life. Mm-hmm. And that's... When we have to finally answer to the boss <laughs> and we have to stand before him, uh, that's what he's looking at. Yeah. That's what he's looking at. So we love you guys. Uh, anything we else do. you wanted to plug in there or add in there? Yeah. Be good? Okay. We will see you guys next week. Talk to you later. 
That mean old casino Cleaned my pants and hung him out to dry Drown the town of Reno Leave the lights on, let him die Join us next week when we discuss what is Sabbath? What, is, what does that mean? And how do we enter into rest with Jesus? Sunday nights. See you then.